All right, so I'm in my studio. I'm sort of looking up at the camera now, but uh, I probably won't be in the future because that's weird. Um, everything's a mess. I have got uh, microphones and guitars all over the place, a little digital piano behind me. And I'm experimenting with how to do a video setup with with all my new equipment and my new mixer and everything. Um, this is the first video, uh, podcast little bit that I've done in a very long time. You might just be hearing the audio of this, but, uh, for Patreon, uh, supporters, you get the video feed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There are no Patreon supporters, but you could head over to Patreon and support me if you wanted to be the first one. Um, there are also no listeners, I don't think. But uh, in any event, I am talking to myself. My wife is out of town. I have got uh, a glorious four-day weekend that I'm just starting out today. And um, I've also got a one of the cords trapped between my toes. There you go. Um, yeah, so... All right, so now we're doing a test... And we're going to find out exactly what this does. Lord, I don't care what you're doing. I only know. Okay. Why am I doing this? Why do I want to talk to myself? I I got a phone call today to confirm an appointment I have for Monday morning. And they when they left the message it was uh Well, I don't want to give away my location cuz uh, let's just keep things secretive. It was um, a cancer center. And, I mean, I know I have skin cancer. I've had that for the last year or so. Uh, but that's not been life-threatening. I just get the the basal cell carcinoma things removed. But uh, sort of through the that process, I, I had a surgery to get one of them taken off my forehead area here. And it, I had to get the surgery about three hour drive from where I live. And then I went to my primary care doctor to get the stitches removed. And um, I hadn't seen my primary care doctor in a very long time. And so I sort of got pressured to uh, link back up with her as far as getting annual physicals and things like that. And so then... I got the annual physical, which includes getting you know, the labs, the blood work, and I hadn't had that done since 2016, so I've only had it done once in my life, and that was three years ago, and at that time, everything was fine. 
This time, I had a high white blood count, white blood cell count. And so when I went back to see her and she was going over the results, she was a little concerned, but and she asked me straight away had I been sick. And I had been. I had a uh, a cold or something. I had some kind of sore throat, running. No- I mean, something a cold, uh, some viral thing. I don't know what the hell it was, but I had had it, and uh, and it still was in my system when I when I uh, gave blood for the blood work. And then she seemed to say, "Oh well, I mean, that's almost certainly going to be the cause of your elevated count." So. Let's just do the blood work again in a couple of weeks, a few weeks, once the uh, we know that there's no uh, infection or you're not sick, and then that white blood count should come down. So I waited, and I felt fine, you know. I hadn't felt like I had any any sickness. Waited those three weeks, and then got the, got the blood test done again, and... Uh, my white blood count went up again, and I feel fine. Felt fine when I when I was talking to her about it. But she then she seemed really concerned, which of course concerned me. I got the the blood work done, and then literally like the next day, uh, one of her scheduling assistants called me and said, "You know, you might want to come in today." And I guess the big fear is. You know, there are a lot of things that could cause that if you have an elevated blood count. I mean, probably the number one thing is, again, you have some kind of infection. But that, given that uh, all those weeks went by and I have no symptoms of anything, that probably, I mean, it's not ruled out, but it's, um, it's probably not as likely as it was. And then there's other more unlikely things that are really bad, like, different blood cancers, leukemia, and shit like that. And so maybe there's some other telltale signs, not just the white blood count, but the number of, you know, the more specific blood markers. Anyway, she sent me to a uh, hematologist. You know, it's just the blood doctor. And uh, he works in, you know, such and such cancer center because... I guess that's uh, um, what a lot of this shit leads to. So I have no idea. I mean, I could have an autoimmune thing. I could have an infection. I still maybe ha- still had an infection. Maybe it's nothing at all. Um, or maybe I have, you know, some major fucking serious thing. So, of course, it's on my mind now. And um, I went to this hematologist's office to get another blood test done, which uh, I'm not really sure how definitive it it will be, but um, this doctor's going to have the results of that. So it's just waiting for these results. And of course, you know, if the cells are abnormal in some way, I mean, I could find out Monday conceivably that I have some form of cancer or some other shitty thing. Um, so, yeah, I can't help but be preoccupied by it and be worried by it. I'm not as worried as I thought I would be for some reason. Um, I have no idea the likelihood that this is a really bad thing. 
Um, I've been getting bad health news over the last couple of years. I'm not used to that with the skin cancer being the number one thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm going to be fucking very unhappy if I've got some serious shit, but I guess until I find out Monday, I, there's, it's just senseless for me to worry too much about it. I know one can't really control that. Uh, and it's coming, you know, into my mind, like today when they called to confirm the appointment, just hearing the blah, 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 cancer center. I'm like, Jesus, you know, you're just imagining a future now of getting chemo and, and of course dying. Uh, and what, and it just, it's hard to even wrap your mind around that when you feel perfectly fine. Um, I'm only 48 years old and other than the skin cancer and some knee injury shit, uh, I've really enjoyed perfect health pretty much my whole life. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I would be mentioning any of this shit on a podcast, but I just figured uh, I don't have anyone to talk to at this moment. And I don't really want to talk to uh, family members because I don't want to worry them about it. So I'm just speaking out into the void and uh, letting y'all know what's going on. So, But on a positive note, I've taken some time to set up this little video feed and um, so I'm going to try to play some music and, uh, see if I can't get a few, uh, good sounding things to, to clip onto this so it won't be so goddamn depressing. just to continue the story it is the following weekend from when I was recording the other bits about uh, my little health scare I'd thought by now I would uh, have something conclusive to say but unfortunately I do not I went to that appointment on Monday with the hematologist and my expectations was that he was going to be telling me the results of uh, a blood test and um, it was it's called a peripheral smear test and this test is supposed to determine um, if my high uh, white blood cell count um, and lymphocytosis uh, you know, what was causing it basically and I, I was under the impression that this was it might be definitive at least definitive in that if the test showed nothing atypical, at least I would know it wasn't some form of leukemia. What happened was I showed up, and uh, it was it was a difficult appointment, as these things are. I'm sitting in his office and looking at various uh, literature and 
stuff called like living with cancer, this kind of stuff. And I'm just feeling very out of place and it's filling me with fearful anticipation. I go into his office and I'm waiting for him. And then he shows up and I'm, of course, looking for facial tells, you know, to see is he about to break some bad news. And he proceeds to just go through just about everything that my primary care doctor did asked me how I've been feeling and he's feeling for swollen lymph nodes and uh, palpating my uh, abdomen to see if I have enlarged internal organs or whatever and asking me questions but he doesn't seem to be uh, it doesn't seem like he has any big news to tell me at some point and then he says oh well let's look at your blood work and he pulls out the previous blood work from my primary care office and then I just sort of blurted out I said oh I are you talking about the old blood work or this this peripheral smear thing? I thought the my the whole point of me coming was you were gonna tell me the results of this, and then you could see his facial expression just utterly change. Now this was a you know first appointment Monday morning, but I had taken the this this test a full week prior, and it was clear from his expression that he had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Didn't even know that I that I took this test, and then he said, oh. And he said, well, it must be in the hospital system. And he runs out and he's gone for like 15 minutes, clearly trying to look look up the results. And now I'm sitting in here again, like, oh, shit. He, and now I'm going to have to read him again when he comes back. And he does come back and he tells me that um, that the pathologist report that he's reading just right there in front of me said that there were indeed atypical lymphocytes. Um, and of course, this filled me with some anxiety when we, upon hearing that, but that the report didn't uh, indicate that the pathologist thought it was um, those that the atypicality was due to leukemia or some form of cancer. It just didn't say either way. And apparently, one f- type of atypicality in the lymphocytes could be indicative of. Uh, blood cancer and another type of atypicality could be more indicative of a viral infection, a viral syndrome. Obviously, the difference means everything to me. And he said, well, so it's the results that he's looking at are, are consistent with either one of those two things. There's a the differential diagnosis, according to him, and what he's looking at is chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which is, uh, you know, the bad thing. And at my age could be very bad or some kind of viral syndrome and then he you know he starts to tell me a bunch of shit about you know why the pathologist didn't make the call and that you know young pathologists these days don't want to stick their neck out and make a diagnosis and I'm all this I'm I'm just like dude I don't give a shit just I want to know what the hell's wrong with me now I'm even more scared than I was because the I was hoping that this was going to be the test that ruled out anything bad but it's kind of taking me further down that road, although not definitively. So he sends me immediately to a different floor of the building to get another test, some sort of flow cytometry, which is supposed to be definitive, supposed to see different uh, markers on the cells, and it will basically say if, if I have cancer or not. And then also he ordered some other tests to test out the viral syndrome option, like test me for mono and some other virus stuff. 
And so now I'm really, uh, I'm really amped up. He also ordered a abdominal uh, ultrasound to see if I had any um, enlarged spleen or something like that, which could be indicative of this or that. So I take these tests, and I'm getting more and more stressed now because I I'm, I'm not getting the clean bill of health that I wanted. Now I'm having to try on mentally this for real this idea I might have chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And of course, I'm looking up the shit on my phone like an idiot. And um, it's one of those things where even if I were to get that diagnosis, that would just be the beginning of trying to figure out what that meant. I guess there's a bunch of different factors that can put you in various categories, and some of them are very bad, and some of them uh, are less bad, although they're all, they all sound bad to me. So... Um, so anyway, I am getting more and more tense. And he told me, you know, call, if you don't hear from me, call my office on Friday about the results. And of course, I've been waiting all week and for the phone to ring. And it's, um, it's not, uh, he doesn't ever call me. At one point, I got a text from his office about some sort of health summary. And I was thinking, oh, my God, this is this is how he's going to break the news to me. And it was just a summary of our prior visit. So I was really on edge. And then um, I called yesterday, which was Friday, and the medical assistant said they they just don't have the results of anything yet. Not the uh, flow cytometry and not the abdominal uh, ultrasound. So I just, basically the week was over and I'm just having to wait till next week. So I'm still in this state of very uncomfortable anticipation um, and I guess I'm going to find out sometime next week, hopefully as soon as possible, what the results of this test were. And it's, you know, if I have chronic lymphocytic leukemia, I'm going to find out in the next few days, which is, um, is frightening. Um, I, I do realize that it might not be that. And I just, there's really no way for me to know. It's just scary because everything so far, all the tests I've taken are consistent with that diagnosis. That's why it's part of the, the differential diagnosis here, but they could also find that, um, they not have mono for instance, which, uh, I would love for it to be that, but, uh, I don't have any symptoms. I still feel perfectly fine. I've been other than the anxiety and the stress of waiting to find out if, uh, my life is going to be completely altered with a leukemia diagnosis in my forties. You know, other than that, I've been feeling great. But of course, that's a, a thing. I mean, it's just putting me in a heightened state that's very unpleasant. And there's just, but there's nothing I can do about it. And part of me thinks, you know, this is going to end up, the punchline to all this is that I should have never even submitted to the first blood work. Why get annual blood work when there's you have no symptoms and there's nothing wrong? And you could go off on these goose chases because something is a little off and then you're you're scared to death that it's going to be something serious. And then in the end, it's it's nothing, but they, they have to sort of put you through the ringer to cover themselves and to make sure um, it that it isn't that serious thing. Because had I not even gotten the blood work, I would just be hanging out and enjoying another weekend with feeling perfectly healthy and and that would be that. Although, obviously, I would be totally unaware that my white blood count was, was quite high. 
and maybe that doesn't matter if it turns out it's just a viral syndrome that would have just cleared up on its own. Then the other part of me is like, well, if it turns out to be that I do have chronic lymphocytic leukemia, then it's better to all things equal. It's better to know early and that getting this blood work, you know, might lead to some better outcome for me. So it's just, I'm sure some of you out there have been through this type of shit and it's just so unpleasant. Um, so the next time you hear from me, hopefully I will know. And it's, I don't know, for me, it feels like this is, this is going to be life changing either way. Obviously, if I get a diagnosis of cancer, my, I'm gonna, it's not curable. Um, I'm gonna have to go through some shit and and it's just going to be the beginning probably of, uh, dealing with a certain amount of anxiety and uncertainty and then whatever treatments have to come. And I, I obviously do not want to go through any of that. But again, you know, I'm just going to have to wait and see. Even if I get uh, that it's not that, I mean, it could be something else, I guess, conceivably that's uh, health-threatening, or it could be nothing at all, and I'm fine, but I still think this whole experience is... um going to be it's going to change it's already changed my outlook Uh, it's hard to explain Um, I've never feared for my life in this way Um, I've never had that feeling like oh I might have a a terminal illness Um, and it just the perspective shift um, although unpleasant it's it's very humbling Um, and the um, my compassion level for other humans has just gone way up. I mean, sitting in these waiting rooms and just being in these hospitals and seeing all the people that are dealing with this type of shit right now that you just don't think about. I mean, right now, every hospital waiting room and hematologist waiting room is full of people that have got to go through this stuff. And uh, of course, I always thought, well, you know, that's just not me. That's not my world. But Everybody thinks that until it is. And um, I don't know, there's just something about it that uh, that has raised my compassion levels along with the anxiety levels. And I, and I hope that that's enduring no matter what happens. But um, obviously I'm hoping, uh, I'm telling a, a story with a, a happy ending here the next time you hear from me, but I, I can't say for sure. Did you? 
So it was a it was a difficult week at work, uh, working as an elementary school counselor. And in some ways, it's it's good because I I was focused on the kids for the most part. I mean, instead of just sitting waiting for a phone call and and sitting in all that tension, uh, these kids are just you know they don't know anything that's going on and and they need me to be uh, you know to be their counselor and to. To focus on their issues so in a sense there's some relief in that although I was distracted realizing that you know and at any moment even when I'm sitting with one of these kids uh, my phone could ring and I would have to somehow somehow deal with that in the context of being on the job so and that's still on the table so next week I'm going to just go to work and that phone is going to ring at some point I'd rather I guess have it happen after I get home, but again, I don't, I don't have any idea how that's going to unfold. It was a, a couple things with the kids were interesting as a, as always, and I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant to talk about things on the job, but, um, I guess I, I can just relax. I mean, there's no, there's no way to know who I'm speaking about. I could just change the details, but I had this, um, little first grade kid come to me and uh, he said, um, the reason I wanted to talk to you, Mr. Bob, is uh, because yesterday was my dad's birthday and I ate a whole bunch of gummies. You know, those gummies that um, kids aren't supposed to have. And they were in some kind of pill bottle and I ate about 10 of them and I wasn't supposed to eat them and then I felt like my heart was going to explode and um, I was in my sister's room and for five hours uh, as my heart was beating. And of course, you know, I'm hearing this and I'm immediately thinking that this kid got into uh, some some marijuana gummies and it was like, oh, wow, this is a new one. I immediately take the kid to the nurse and talk to the principal and I'm thinking, how are we going to deal with this? We're going to have to, you know, call the cops on the parents or... um. And uh, it turns out, uh, after all that drama, it ended up being that the kid ate uh, some gummy vitamins. There was just some vitamins in gummy form. The kid had ate a whole bunch of them, and uh, the parents had called the doctor, and the doctor said, you know, not to worry, but the, but I guess they had uh, one of the things they were worried about was you know, whatever side effects you can get from that diarrhea, upset stomach, or your heart racing. And so the kid was still feeling anxious about that. So I don't know, it was a, it did occur to me, um, at one point during that whole thing that I had constructed this whole drama in my mind that never was true. And there was some parallel there between that and my health situation. I, in some sense, you know, I, I needed to act that way in case the kid actually had eaten 10 THC gummies. I mean, she's going to be 
you know, tripping, um, big time. And then I was just, uh, I don't know. I mean, you want to, you have to assume the worst because you want to get the kid to the nurse and make sure that, um, that everything's all right. And then, um, you know, I'm glad it, it turned out not to be that, but, um, yeah, it was interesting that just that I heard a few things. I, in my mind created a scenario that it could be and acted as if it was that, and it never was that. So, uh, sort of like with that thought experiment when, if you've ever heard it where like, say the phone rings and some stranger says, I've got your kid. And, uh, you know, if you don't give me a thousand dollars, I'm going to kill them right now. And, and it's just all of a sudden you're in this feeling of terror, like some, some strange freak has kidnapped your child and what would happen in your body and your heart and your mind and how you would just go crazy in that moment. And then in the thought experiment, somehow you find out it's a wrong number and, you know, your kid's sleeping soundly in the room and your kid was never in danger. And yet you reacted as if you were in a situation of ultimate danger. And just say you had a heart condition and you just had a heart attack right then and there. It would have been over something that didn't really exist. It was just a sound coming from a phone line going into your ear and then you interpreting that sound and constructing uh, the scenario in your mind using imagery and self-talk and then reacting as if all that's real when it it never was. And we do this all the time. And um, it's just, and again, of course, I feel like I'm just playing mind games with myself. It's what I hope I'm doing now. I mean, I can't, help but focus a little more on the worst case scenario you know I sort of prepare for the worst and hope for the best I don't have any sense of what's more likely in my case between a viral syndrome and and chronic lymphocytic leukemia I couldn't really read the doctor because of you know like I said he didn't seem prepared for the appointment Um, and he was telling me about uh, CLL, this chronic lymphocytic leukemia, and it, just the way he was talking about it and knowing that up until that moment, my blood results were consistent with that and could be explained by that, and that I was going to find out with subsequent tests whether it was that or not. Of course, you know, I'm focused on that reality because it would completely change everything about my life, my conception of myself, my conception of the future my marriage, everything. So it's, it's, it was almost impossible for me to just not focus on that. And I'm not the type that can just sweep it aside and try to focus on the positive only. Um, although, you know, obviously I'm, I'm trying to be as hopeful as I can, but so that was interesting. And in all this time, it was, it was weird when this was unfolding with this child and the gummies, I was sort of also waiting for the phone to ring in my pocket for this personal health news. And it was just a weird dynamic later in the week yesterday. In fact, there was a, another kid that was sent to my office and this kid's uh, father passed away tragically a few weeks ago. And today was the father's birthday. And so the kid was understandably very tearful and upset, missing his father his deceased father on his dad's birthday and um, the teacher sent him to me and I had him in my office. And then um, a few minutes later, I got a call over the radio that there was more 
support needed in that classroom. Something was going on, and I had my intern with me, and my intern sat with this first kid, and I ran into the, the classroom, and I was met with about 10 kids. These are all first graders, and they just swarmed me in this giant group bear hug. They were all sobbing and trying to blurt out their their tales of, of woe, and it was all different uh, stories about their own grief and loss that must have been triggered by the you know the first boy when the first boy was crying and they realized he was crying about his dad who had passed away it just started this little contagion where different kids in the class thought about you know one kid was crying because his cat died and the other that he was missing his father who had gone away for some reason and another kid who's missing her deceased grandmother and they're all crying and it just sort of spread around the classroom and the kids were like I said, they just swarmed me and I couldn't even move because there was like at least 10 of them and they were all trying to push through to, to get to me, to give me a big hug while they were crying and trying to tell me what was wrong. And uh, it was just a very surreal moment. And there was this tiny part of me too that was just waiting for my phone to ring still in my pocket thinking this could be the moment that I, you know, I get this call like while this is happening. And it just, the whole thing just didn't seem real. And it still doesn't seem real to me. Um, and I, I recognize, and I, gosh, I just, I just hope that uh, on the next podcast, I'm, I'm discussing about how, you know, all this drama was just created in my mind and it was all based on fear and try to draw lessons from that instead of uh, the alternative of having to accept this, this bad diagnosis. So um, I guess... When you next hear from me, hopefully, I'm going to know. I mean, I'm, I'm almost sh- certain that I'm going to get the, the test results the first couple of days of the week. So uh, I'll keep everyone posted. Um, and hopefully, yeah, that this, this is going to be over and it's just going to be like a bad dream. But we shall see.
something like that. Yeah. 